Happy New Year, everyone. I am Kate Shank, and welcome back to Her Voice at the Table. We enjoyed our vacation over the holidays and all of the resting and regrouping it afforded, and now we are thrilled to begin a new year with you by chatting with our very own Dr. Megan Griffin. Truth be told, you guys, I used to really dislike January and February, the dreary weather, post-holiday letdown, endless streams of people kindly asking what my resolutions are. But as I'm getting older, I am finding myself really loving these winter months and appreciating them as a quiet and meditative time to rest and think deeply about my goals and dreams. In the spirit of these meditations, we asked Megan to write about how reading and teaching one of her favorite novels, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, is a passageway for her to develop sacred rituals in both her classroom and her personal life. Rituals that allow her to pause and connect with her deepest spirit. Whether preparing a special meal with family, taking a walk, or enjoying a quiet ride home from work, rituals help us slow down and intentionally pause and set aside time in our day that is special to us and renews our spirit. We welcome Megan and our producer, Caitlin Rathy, who will join me today as host to discuss her post, The Sacred Rituals of Reading and Writing, The Difference Between Rituals and Routines, and how being a little kinder to ourselves can help us have a sweeter new year. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Her Voice at the Table. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you, Megan, for coming on and talking to us on this chilly February morning about um, something we love to discuss as a group here at Her Voice at the Table, and that is uh, rituals that we engage in in our life. And um, you just wrote a beautiful piece about rituals, both in your own life and in the classroom. So I would love to start off by just asking you to define a ritual Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a great question, Kate, because I think sometimes we can de- mix up a ritual and, and a habit. And I think reading um, a little bit more about the two helped me uh, define the difference between the two. Um, but a habit, right, is sort of this activity that we do that's unthinking, right, without purpose. It's just sort of repetitive. Um, it's just something that we do every day. But a ritual, on the other hand, is something in which you give um, an activity in which you give an intention. So, you know, before it happens, you set out a purpose, however small it might be, sort of inviting meaning into the moment. Um, You give it attention, right? Being present, um, focusing all of your senses, being aware, really listening, um, etc., and then repetition, right? That it's um, you, something you come back to, maybe not every day or not every week, right? We have seasonal rituals that can happen, you know, once a year. Um, so it's those three pieces, intention, attention, and um, repetition that I think help to separate and distinguish rituals from um, habits. And then you talk about sacred rituals in, um, in your post. So what makes a ritual sacred and not just routine? What makes a uh, ritual sacred, right, is to add rigor to it, right, to give it um, not necessarily an intellectual bent, but something that you're really paying attention to, that you're giving meaning, that you're or that you're trying to find meaning from, um, and not just some sort of haphazard, unthinking process that you that you go through. So, um, You know, Megan, when I was reading your post and I was thinking about the rituals that I do in my life Mm -hmm. and just the staying with, you know, the 
the ability to pause in a busy life and give rituals time, I feel like that's the biggest issue that people may have with, with keeping a ritual. And so um, I was just curious. So what are some other rituals that you have that you engage with that you think are, you know, significant that you've been able to stay with over time? So In other words, um, sometimes I feel like we might fall out of a ritual just because we get busy and we don't have time. And and so I would just be curious to hear you talk about um, which ones are special to you in your life and how you've been able to stay with them um, despite the pressures on our our daily schedule. So Kate, I really like this question because when I was thinking about rituals in my own life, um, the two that come to mind immediately, right, are things that I already do in my life, right? And so I love that idea of starting there with thinking about rituals. What are habits or routines that are already present that you can maybe pause and give give intention and attention to in addition to the repetitive moments? But of course, meal times. I mean, mm. um, for all of us, we have to eat. So what is something that has to happen? We have to eat. And so with my, my family, right, it's super easy. I have two small children. Um, who have any number of after-school activities that they need to get to, usually by 6 p.m. or so, which means that time from getting home from school, 5.30, around 5 o'clock or so, um, you have from 5, 5.30, maybe to 6 for a meal. Um, And so I know so many people who then just sort of eat, like, real quickly, shove food into their kids' mouths, or maybe eat haphazardly once they return home. Um, But for my family, what we've decided to do is to make that important. And so if that means we have dinner at 4.45, we have dinner at 4.45. And if that means um, that we more often than not have leftovers or we order food in so that it's ready to go at 4.45, or my co- my husband comes home a little earlier to make sure that there's food ready, or you know I step out a little earlier to help out and make sure there's food ready, we just we just do it um, so that we can all four sit down and have have at least one one meal together. And I think about this too, meals, um, and Kate, you could step in here too, right? When we first started at our school, um, so many teachers would just eat meals, lunches, right, at their desks because it's super easy. Yes, I have to eat, but it's easy then to just, you know, shove food in your face while you continue to grade, while you continue to plan, et cetera. But to say, you know what? No, I have to eat. I have 45 minutes to eat. And I'm just going to say no, and I'm going to find someone, and I'm going to actually look at someone, and I'm going to talk to them, right? Um, so it's those two, meal time and, and dog walking, that are the two most important um, and easiest, I think, for, for me. Well, and I feel like, too, we started eating lunch together, you know, purposefully mm-hmm. eating together during COVID. And mm-hmm. we took that, we started taking that pause. We would step away from our desk. And we would all sit in a big circle spaced out in a classroom and mm-hmm. eat lunch. And that is when um, we kind of started that, that ritual. And then I was very curious, you know, to me, that was interesting that during a time of isolation or when we were all being asked to stay away from each other, we, we obviously longed to be together in community and, we mm-hmm. wanted that time together. And so um, I found it really beautiful that you, I, I have a question about you know, the timing of your focus on rituals, because maybe it's COVID related, but you went on this pilgrimage with a bunch of fellow pilgrims um, to on the Jane Eyre pilgrimage and were in community with a bunch of fellow lovers of Charlotte Bronte. And, you know, that was also post COVID. Um, do you have a new appreciation for the role of community in rituals and just how that has played for you over the past couple of years, just the timing of all of this. 
Oh, of course. I think COVID is is a huge part, especially when I think about community rituals, right? Not just an individual ritual with me and my dog or, you know, curling up with a great book every night or, you know, something that happens on that level. But on a community level, COVID, um, of course. And I think as teachers, we we know that. But I don't think, I was thinking about this the other day, I don't think we know that as deeply as maybe some of our colleagues or some of our friends, peers, et cetera, who are outside the classroom and are in office spaces, right? And so they have completely lost that sense of community um, when they were working from home. And maybe some of them now are returning to the office and maybe have those opportunities to meet and be be in community, right, in that workspace. But some, I have many friends who just aren't probably ever going to go back to the office, at, at least to the extent that they were um, pre, pre-COVID. Um, so yeah, absolutely, community um, is connected to, and rituals connected to COVID. Um, but even even before that, I think we um, have started to see this. I was, you know, I was thinking about these time, these last few days when we've been home um, and watching TV and how, you know, everyone in my family can be on their own device. And so streaming, right? When we were growing up, Kate, and maybe maybe you, Caitlin, I don't know, maybe you can jump in here. <laughs> um, but when we watched TV, it was... Um, you know, must-see TV on Thursday night. Like, you had to wait until Thursday to watch Friends. You had to wait until Thursday to watch the next episode. And there was something about that. And, like, the, the TGIF on Friday, there was something about non-streaming localized TV that did, I think, build community because you'd come in to either school the next day or work the next day and say, oh, my gosh, did you did you see that? Now, it still happens, but it happens at different times. Like, oh, have you seen White Lotus yet? Have you seen this yet? And you kind of have to wait for someone to catch up. Um, so there's something about that as well. To your point about appointment TV, mm-hmm. I am not too young <laughs> to have uh, missed out on that. Yeah. My TV shows were just a little different. It was like One Tree Hill and the OC. I think those were on Thursday nights on the CW. My mom and I would watch them together. Yeah. And I would be, I did have a cell phone so I could like text with people. Yeah. But it wasn't the iPhone yet. iPhones didn't exist until college. But it was like so, a, but it was yeah. a regular time, Caitlin, where you were yeah. able to get together with your friends and your mom, right? And sit in front yeah. of the same device. And have a conversation about something on TV, right? I remember in high school coming home and like being super excited about watching Dawson's Creek and then, you know, seeing my friends the next day and being able to unpack, oh my gosh, you know, Joey and Pacey or Dawson or, oh, he's the worst. Oh my gosh, this new girl showed up. Can you believe he slept with his teacher, right? It was those. Um, and not that those, again, oh those conversations still happen, right? But they just look differently, right? Well, that's a good point that like, not everything in community I think community lends itself to ritual mm-hmm. maybe but the the thing you're saying about tv now right mm-hmm. like just because you're watching tv together doesn't mean that necessarily everyone's present mm-hmm. yeah that that reminds <laughs> me of your um your comment about about the tv and everyone being on their own devices was just making me think about how much time i always have this tension about um, rituals being individual or community. Like I, I always think, Oh, all my rituals are me by myself. I'm like doing a, <laughs> a special walk through the mm-hmm. neighborhood or doing my dry brushing, which is another whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that now, but, um, but I, I want to do more in community. And I think it's this antidote. Like we're constantly as teachers talking about our students being in their phones so much that we're having this hard time, you know, personal making conversation and and being personal with them and like having a relationship with them in a way that um, feels really authentic because I think there's less interaction between 
I mean, just straight up individual humans right now. So for the community idea, where do you see this with young people? So we kind of talked a little bit about our families and, but as a teacher and like, where do you see young people understanding this value of ritual? Mm. Well, I think they were in COVID with us, right? So that's always yeah. part of it. Um, and I think we especially see it, um, Kate, because we have junior advisees who entered high school as freshmen and who entered into an online space. Um, and I think we've seen how important it is for them to see each other and be together. And it's only really right three years later that I'm hearing my advisees talk about and I, again, they're older, so maybe they wouldn't have talked about dating when they were freshmen, but now there's something about dating or going to out together with friends and going out to dinner and sort of creating new cross-feeder school friendships that I didn't really hear much about um, freshman year. So that connection is, is so real. And even uh, Kate talking to my, some of our former advisees who are now juniors in college, they entered college as freshmen, right? Um, right, yeah. an online space. So, I mean, and if, I mean, feel free to share any stories here about the importance of community for those, those former advisees, right? Because I know from, from mine, um, a couple uh, left, well, one, one left school, right? And returned home. One switched uh, campuses altogether to find a school where they did, right? Have a sense of community because she knew that she was so lacking in that. Megan, really quick, can you explain the advisee system at our school? Yes, the advisee program at my school consists of each teacher or faculty member um, having about 10 girls um, beginning freshman year that they take care of, that they become an advocate for, and then they follow those 10 students their four years of, of high school. Yeah, I like this idea with the with the students of just kind of going back in time to kind of, for lack of a better word, old fashioned ways of approaching mm-hmm. conversations with that we have with each other. That's why I've really enjoyed um, the journaling that we do and, you know, the rituals around unpacking a novel that we're reading or how we you know, try to set some ceremony to begin a new book like Jane Eyre with lighting candles mm-hmm. in the classroom and things like that. I feel like it's it's mm-hmm. nice for the students because they don't they get a lot of they get a lot of stimulation online, but you know, being together in a huge peer group like a classroom community and having things to do just face to face in conversation and in a ritual of bringing that sacred sacredness to that space feels like really important kind of social work right now. And Kate, that's a that's a really nice way of anticipating this question about how, Megan, are you incorporating like rituals into the classroom? Um, but to back up and, and speak a little bit more to sacred rituals or rituals, period, um, and the, the need of them uh, for students, why students might need them and then what that might look like in, in the classroom. Um, so for... I'm thinking about the other definition of sacred, right? And and rituals, thinking about giving attention um, and giving a lot of focused, um, again, just focused attention to the task at hand. Um, this is something that Kate could speak more to um, in terms of attention economy. And so how our students are kind of all over the place, right? They're distracted. Um, they have a hard time maybe reading for more than a few pages sustained. And so it's that part of the sacred ritual, the attention and intention. What are we taking from this when we slow down 
and look at every word? What are we getting when we slow down and listen to the words that are coming out of our fellow students' mouths? And how might we listen to, to respond and not listen just to speak, right? And so even before I knew what rituals were, we were, um, I think many of us in the English department were, were doing these in the classrooms through um, journaling, um, specifically the BARD technique. And the BARD is a technique comes from the BARD Institute on Writing and Thinking, which is a process of giving students a chance to journal before they respond. That's really reductive in what it is, but essentially every student write, must slow down and write without lifting their pen or pencil from the page for two minutes, for three minutes, whatever that amount of time is. And so they have to give sustained thought to a single idea, right? And then they're invited to oftentimes what students must do is then every student must share from what they've written. And as we are listening, students are supposed to be taking notes in order to then respond. And I know this may not seem, you know, super revolutionary, but it is an opportunity to, right? to slow down, to listen, and to try and give our entire attention to something. So it's through those journaling processes. Um, Keith, I know that you've been on this journey with me, so I'm curious what other ways do you see some of these rituals playing out in, in the classroom? Yeah, I I see the, um, the technology-free zone that we create by asking students to put their phones on their desk and flip them over and say, we know it's there, but we're going to set that aside and we're going to put our desk in a circle and we are all going to go around and spend a few times, a few minutes writing. And then everyone is going to share. I've had a lot of students say that they really appreciate the ritual of um, every student reading from their journal in a row. Mm -hmm. So the circle that we do, um, which I think goes back to just, person to person time and contact and just hearing everyone's voice and as an antidote to so long spent on computers during COVID and just the amount of time they spend on their phones. I'm doing a lot of writing right now about some interviews I have done with some seniors who are getting ready to go to college who spend um, quite a bit of time on their cell phones and um, just the impact of that in terms of their ability to pay attention, like you said, and to stay with conversations, they find themselves wanting to kind of flip through and and move, you know, quickly from one topic to the next. And I think slowing down is something that we just have to realize we're having to do intentionally. Like it's not going to happen on our own. We actually have to build that time into our classroom because we're still teaching that as a skill, you know, even though it's not content in terms of literature, it is content in terms of their ability to, um, to just be present in a moment. I mean, I even struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said about, oh, and um, <laughs> this is one of the fierce <laughs> objectives that I was oh. like, I'm going to focus on this this month. And oh. grownups have problems with it too. So this is be here, prepared to be nowhere else. Uh, yes. Really yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I love about like talking about rituals is this is something that I've encountered through, uh, you know, various pieces of my life. But I think we encounter it all the time. Right. These are, this is something mm-hmm. that we all have right access to something we all have experience with. Um, and Kate, when you're talking about the technology free zone, right, think about those students when we say not only just flip your phone over, but put it away and then put your computers away. We're just going to have our book and our journals yeah. <laughs> like they're often audible, like yeses, right? Like students 
kind of mm-hmm. crave that. Um, and also those quiet students who, when they journal and are required, the ritual of requiring to them to read from their journal invites them into that space, invites their voices into that community and reminds them that they right do have something to say and yeah. that someone will respond to it, right? And they're um, heard. They're heard, yeah. yeah it's a, yes, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite phrases that guides my has guided me for, gosh, a couple of years now is the biggest gift we can give to someone is our time. And I mm-hmm. tell my students that a lot. I'll say, you know, I'm going to give you, we're going to give each other an hour of our time today. And that's a gift, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to be, we have to take, you know, that as a, as a sacred gift, which comes back to ritual, I think. And the idea mm-hmm. of, you know, realizing that there's an intention and a meaning and that it's, it's, it's a dedication in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even beginning classes, sometimes I know, I think it was you who encountered this, but beginning class with a question like, who do you dedicate this class to, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what a gift to have 80 minutes Mm -hmm. to talk about this book, to talk about this issue, to talk about these questions with each other and to learn from each other. Um, It is is a gift. And so who who would you like to dedicate that to, I think, is another ritual. Well, because what strikes me after reading The Power of Ritual and reading your post is that that's really the thesis of this whole idea is time, right? How do you spend Mm -hmm. your time, you know, setting time aside for something that is going to renew your spirit and not just be Mm -hmm. a check off the list of the checkbox. And I I have a really quick question for you because I love rituals and I try to do many of them, which we'll talk about later. But um, I find myself, you know, we're such a society that's like, okay, make it, make an, um, a new year's resolution and then stick with it. And like mm-hmm. the second you fall off the wagon or fall out of the routine, then you're done for, you know, you messed up, you failed. So how do you, how do you see ritual as something like, how do you go back to it once you've fallen out of the habit? Mm-hmm. And avoid those perf- perfectionistic tendencies that if you like mess up once. Yeah. You don't want to have, yeah. you don't want to have ritual become another thing on a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, which is yeah, which is why I love that idea of just building um, rituals into activities that are already present in your own life, right? Mm-hmm. And so stopping and saying, okay, I am doing this thing, and saying, okay, why am I doing this thing? How am I going to be present in this thing that I am doing, right? Um, but also, um, I'm thinking here about. I mean, it's easier said than done, right? But just give yourself like a break, right? Give right. yourself yeah. some slack. I mean, if it if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You know, pick it up next season, right. pick it up next week. Yes. Or, you know, um, if it's something that happens day to day, you know, so today, like we, we rush through this meal or we rush through this activity or I forget to curl up with my book for five minutes at night. Fine. I'll do it the next night. Yeah. And the next night I'll give myself right that time. Mm-hmm. And attention. That was like, remember that book, The Secret? This feels like The Secret to me. Like just, oh. stay, you know, staying. I don't, I didn't read the book, but. I, I was always intrigued. I was always intrigued by a book. Kate's, yeah. Kate's an expert on yeah. a book she didn't read. Right. I'm ready. <laughs> well, I, I I was always intrigued by the title, like the secret. I was like, oh, I should read that. <laughs> of course, everyone wants to know the secret, but the secret seems to me that you're kind to yourself and just yeah, like it's mm-hmm. it's a renewal yeah. practice, not something else. You need right. to feel like you're. It's like when we were talking mm-hmm. to Caitlin about doing the yoga twenty day challenge or thirty day challenge. Oh, it's like yes. if you're Adrian. stressing, mm-hmm. if you're stressing out too much about right. it, it might be not the point mm-hmm. or whatever. Defeating the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because that is definitely a ritual. You know, every day, every new year, right? She comes out with the thirty day. Uh, yoga with Adrian, right? The 30 day challenge. And I've never completed the 30 days. Um, 
but that would be a lovely, right? Yeah. Um, intentional ritual, exercise ritual. Um, if, but it's it's not something that actually fits into. I don't know. Maybe I just don't give it the time, and so I I'm I'm, I'm willing to let it go every once in a while. Megan, do you have a prompt um, that you could give us, like for people who want to start thinking about rituals in their life, like a prompt, as in maybe a reflective journal or just thinking prompt that could give people mm-hmm. a starting point to start to get some more ritual into their life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, 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 the rituals, the main rituals come from eating, exercise, walking, reading. So maybe mm-hmm. looking, I mean, there's okay. more than that. Yeah. But I think, the, I think the question is, right, what, what do you do every day Oh gosh, this is oh, this is a hard question, Kate. Do you have a prompt while I sort of like? Yeah, I think. think yeah, like. Uh, well, yeah. no, you are. I like that. This yeah. Like, what do you do every day that you can turn into? A yeah. Something special. Right. Yeah. Yeah, to do something really reflective. What is something that you do every day, even if it's, you know, I'm getting into my car, right? Yeah. Or this drive yeah. to school. You have to drive to work, maybe. Um, and so getting into the car and saying, okay, I have 15 yeah. minutes in this car. All right, I have 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long you're you're your commute commute is and saying you know i'm gonna listen to my favorite podcast or i'm gonna turn off or i'm gonna turn off all everything and just pay attention right to the road or to the sounds or to what i hear maybe go like on a sensory drive we talk about sensory walks Mm. like you know what do you taste smell hear whatever um do a sensory drive and just sort of keeping all of those senses open um most likely your eyes and your ears as you're driving but um other pieces as as well right making it a special time um in that in that let me ask a question if you've bird watched meditated walked dry brushed and blended your own essential oil in one day are you doing too much ritual yes (laughs) (laughs) asking for a friend also if you're also teaching uh then maybe but no i think that's lovely um another important question also asking for a friend is crossfit a ritual or a cult Ooh, that's a great question so what (laughs) casper would say in power of ritual is that it is a ritual and not a cult because cults uh the distinction he makes is that in cults uh you're frequently not allowed to maintain your own sense of agency and individuality and identity um but in crossfit it's not about making like a a group of little robots right of exercise robots it's about coming together in community and support and and you've done some crossfit is that correct or a version of crossfit caitlin and so maybe you can speak to even i think at your first housewarming party right it was a bunch of crossfit friends right so tell us about crossfit as a ritual Oh, I don't know. I'm just worried that I'm part of a cult because all you do when you're with CrossFit people is talk about CrossFit. <laughs> do you know? I mean, or do you talk about your your lives, your families, your jobs, yeah, your hopes, too. your yeah. dreams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's a nice, it's a nice, it is a good, it's a community. You have to pay attention so you don't drop a barbell on your foot like I did once and break a toe. Right. Oh my gosh. And you go with intention, mm-hmm. right? And obviously it's a repeated activity. You go a couple times a week. So. Mm-hmm. And when you're in between those, like, liftings, you're probably having really kind of, you can have meaningful conversations, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it could absolutely be a habit. But if you go mm-hmm. in with intention and attention, I think it's absolutely a ritual. Interesting. I feel better mm-hmm. about my life now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you, Megan. No, I think I'm good. Yeah. This is wonderful. Okay. And I'm going to be thinking a lot about ritual because it's winter time, And this is a nice time mm-hmm. to be quiet and 
you know, think a lot about our routines and habits and like the way we can slow down. I, I love talking about slowing down. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. No, I agreed. These past few days in our homes during an ice storm is, is the perfect time. Yeah, right. right. For, for slowing down or losing your mind. One of, one of <laughs> We're getting close <laughs> in my case. Right. Yeah. Teetering. Teetering on the edge here. I learned I'm an extrovert this year, so look out. I need to get... Wait, really? Yes. Are you missing humans? Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. I did an online uh, yoga class so I could be in a community. Oh, that was that go. was live. That was live. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I know. I miss you guys. Oh, I miss you guys too. Hopefully, we'll see you tomorrow at Workland if the roads are passable. Right. <laughs> Maybe, but if not, <laughs> uh, Monday for sure. Right. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much for listening today, and we hope you are taking away some ideas you can put into practice about slowing down and making rituals part of your daily life. For links to books we mentioned, as well as Megan's blog post, a do not miss, please see our show notes. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Our co-hosts are Megan Griffin, Kate Shank, and Jessica Bailey. Our producer is Caitlin Rathie. For more information about us, check out the blog, Her Voice at the Table. You can find the link in our show notes. But to make them sacral, sacred, <laughs> we in, invest a lot of vigor. Uh, oh my gosh. A lot of rigor. I've got to start over.